You're listening to Perspectives. I am your host, David Howard. Thank you once more for listening today, as I greatly value this wonderful opportunity to minister to each and every one of you. My prayer is that today's message touches you in a very special way and allows God to keep you in perfect peace until we come together once again. I want to thank several of you for your feedback over the last couple of weeks, as the change to the background melody was, of course, by accident because I wasn't wearing my glasses, but your response has been invaluable. Additionally, I ask a special prayer this week for three individuals, a young lady named Susie and two gentlemen, one named Clarence and the other's name Elijah. This week's reference scriptures come from the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, and Romans 12, verse 18. I have a storage space that I pay a handsome ransom for each month. It is full of unforgettable things that I either no longer have a use for, I've outgrown, or have not seen for more than eight years or more. The clothes are exquisite, however, I am several pounds heavier. The shoes fit as well, I suppose, but I still remember, in particular, the ones that squoze my toes each step I took and I can scarcely remember the contents of the abundance of boxes that are nearly stacked to the ceiling. Meanwhile, my heart is saying, let it go. However, I persevere in finding reasons to hold it fast. I suppose one day, sooner rather than later, I will be able to sort through the trove of things that I've accumulated for over 40 years and rip myself of those things that no longer serve a purpose but still take up costly space. As awkward as it sounds, we do the same thing when we store up, accommodate, and relinquish valuable space in our lives to anger and resentment and bitterness. We tuck it away as we are unwilling to relinquish control, judiciously preserving it, for the ideal time to return an exacting favor many times over. Yes, payback truly feels good to the flesh, but it is unforgivingly injurious to our soul. Today's podcast is titled simply, Let It Go. By turning to Ephesians chapter 4 verses 31 through 32, it reads as such, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We routinely struggle to find contentment, that point in life where no matter what things look like, we are indeed not satisfied. As the adage reminds us, we may not be where we want to be, but we certainly are not where we begin. 
Why do we in our humanness insist on carrying old baggage that serves little or no purpose where our memory just will not allow us to let it go? What is this that our mind torments us so that by clinging so desperately, we are unable to prosper instead for our soul's sake? How many people must depart from us with unresolved issues? How many remain? That is not that they cannot, but rather refuse to let go of the thing or things that God is trying to strip out of our presently clenched fists. Suppose God like us was unremitting in his anger towards us, holding us to account for things that occurred in the garden, during the flood or in the wilderness, or without mercy held us personally accountable for the death of his son, Jesus Christ, as one present in the crowd who cried aloud, crucify him over and over again, and saw fit to ever so sparingly pour out an inadequate or inequitable amount of grace and mercy. Consider our own circumstance. If he repeatedly reminded us of our sins and transgressions, I'm not referring to the ones we consider small and little of consequence, but the ones that plague and taunt us, those in which our very soul is continually tormented and grieved, and God saw fit to ceaselessly hold it over our head. I am thankful his word proves otherwise. We sometimes believe that situations dictate the arbitrary timeline in which we hold fast to grievances, but the Bible suggests nothing of the sort. Of the abundance of sins we commit, scripture mentions in Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 through 32, only one is mentioned as being unforgivable, as it reads, Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. A calloused arrogance towards God over time and a persistent rebelliousness that calcifies the heart can sever the relationship that we have further deafening our ears to his unremitting petition to our hearts. There are circumstances and offenses that occur in everyone's life that will cause us to be angry, if only briefly. However, all offenses are not equal as we tend to embrace those that are trivial and at best petty, those of little significance. Understand the deep anguish that someone suffers if a family member is murdered, or a child suddenly dies, or an entire family is wiped out at the hand of a drunken driver. We should understand the enormity of the need for a miracle, the healing of one's heart, to even begin to understand or consider the process of restoration. However, that circumstance is very rare compared to the bevy of things we simply refuse to let go. We tend to wear it as a cloak of warmth, a sort of badge of honor. Why is that? Because they are quite often much more comforting to keep. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 tells us, 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We realize years later that they who have committed the slight have long forgotten and our willfulness to clinch unremittingly has now become an ever-present cancer in our lives, our relationships, and openly exposes the decay that abides deep within. We want it to depart from us, but it won't because we wouldn't let it go. And while God pleaded with us, he wanted to do it our way according to our own terms, not realizing we, not God, departed from his presence long ago. Our reluctance to let go hinders our relationship in Christ. I plead with anyone listening today, our freedom from such, our salvation does not rest and whether someone offends us, they will, or causes us what may appear to be irreparable harm. It happens to all of us. It rests in our demonstrated ability to simply forgive. Forgiveness is not what we say, but rather revealed through our actions as a reflection of what genuinely rests within our heart. Knowing this, that God alone is sufficient. He is enough to heal our hurt, bear our suffering, and restore what was lost. I am in no wise making light, as some situations are not easy to navigate on our own, and yet others require a certain willingness. Why is it so necessary to hang on to anger, resentment, and bitterness? If I were to ask, what is the appeal? Does it feel good? The answer, of course, would be there is no appeal. And secondly, you would affirm there is no good that comes from it. They corrupt everything that is good and become a rottenness to our soul. It closes our ears to God's voice and inevitably, when it is far too late to extend compassion, kindness, and reconciliation, it may as well cause us to miss something far more important, the blessedness of eternity. I read a story the other day about a lady named Jenny who was 92 years old. It is said that she told a story over and over for 50 years to a friend about the time her sister would not give her one dollar that she needed to purchase a pair of shoes. She goes on to say she was so detailed in telling the story that the offense seemed as if it happened just days before. She retold the story so many times that she memorized and relived every single detail. One thing was abundantly clear. She would never forgive her sister for withholding that $1 from her. Furthermore, as revealed, it is said like a snare, the story continued to pull her back into a place in which all the hurt and injustice was renewed in her heart over and over again. When it rests upon our heart to do so, do not ever believe as God's people that we are to wait for someone else to make the first move. Sometimes forgiveness means that we are the ones that should take the first step 
without the possibility of ever seeing it reciprocated back to us. It is a chance we must take, realizing how great a reward we are to receive thereof. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15 reads as such. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no better root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Does God remind us over and over again of our transgressions? Does he trick us into believing that he has forgiven us and washed away our iniquity? Our sin offends both God and humanity, but scripture reveals that he, the righteous judge, is just to forgive. God does not remind us of our trespass. However, the devil, knowing that we have committed such, tries to burn it into the consciousness so that we believe we are not fit to receive God's forgiveness. If we are slight and understand, the longer we hold it, the greater the likelihood of it taking root and growing in our lives in such a way that it chokes out any semblance of goodness that we may have. Have you ever met an angry Christian? One so full of anger and malice and bitterness and discontent that it's impossible to believe that God can dwell in such. One who discourages, one who is never wrong, one who adheres to the strict binding law of the Old Testament, but fails to reveal the love of the new. One who serves as a gatekeeper, discouraging, agitating, preventing others from coming to the throne of mercy by constantly reminding them of their wrong. This should not be. God forgives and forgets our most egregious sins. However, in those moments when we have made our best effort to forgive and forget, but realize we cannot, God can cleanse us of the repetitive nature that is of our memory. Instead of remembering with spite and hurt, he brings to mind forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6 verses 14 and 15 reads as such. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. In closing, how can we do that? How can we avoid being overcome by bitterness? How can we deal with our hurt and offenses rather than allowing them to grow unrestrained into bitterness? This is where the rubber meets the road. The absence of forgiveness is why we purposely choose to hold on to bitterness, letting it cultivate into full-grown resentment. While it appears as if we are unable to forgive, often we need to face the fact that we are simply unwilling. When we have an unforgiving spirit, our eyes are not on him, they are fixed on ourselves. Someone wrote, 
when they were hurt, they adamantly told God, someone has to pay the price for this. And in his kind and loving, tender way, he simply responded, I paid. Thank you so much for listening and sharing your time with me today. As Perspectives continues its outreach, I humbly ask for your prayers as I seek from God what it is that I must share with you each week. If you enjoy what you have heard, please subscribe using the Anchor or Spotify platforms. If you are listening to me via Anchor, leave a voice response by clicking on the message button and start recording when the button turns red and follow the corresponding instructions. I would love to hear your thoughts about today's podcast. You can also send me an email directly at howarddc42 at yahoo.com or text to the phone number from which you received today's episode. God bless each of you and may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you until we meet again.